Hello, it's Jack Tutor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guest this time is Rachel Lynn, a multidisciplinary artist based in Berlin. Rachel's new album, Stories Came to Us, is out now on her My Own Imaginary World imprint, which also hosted her last album, Old Daydream, also fabulous. I've been having a lot of fun with this new record. It's quite a short record, and that's very much to its strength. You've got modular synthesizer, various loops, zither, field recordings, and voice, which is expressing these small clusters of words that when everything comes together it has this sense of cryptic communication to it or partial communication almost like something uttered on the brink of sleep talk that your conscious mind is left scrabbling to decode afterwards i think that's why i keep coming back to this record and playing it again and again there's this hazy sense of something trying to emanate through a really fuzzy membrane. Love it. I'll include links in the show notes so you can check it out too. Rachel picked three very interesting records to talk about. I'd not really spent any time with any of them before, and I'd love to hear what Rachel said about them too, so this was a good one. If you're enjoying Crucial Listening, you can support financially over at ko-fi.com forward slash crucial listening one off or monthly any amount you please just to help keep the show ticking but thank you for listening as always i love to hear from you hope you enjoy this one this is rachel lynn on crucial listening Hello, Rachel. Welcome to Crucial Listening. Hello. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Really good. How are you? I'm very good. I am um, sitting in my studio at the moment and, yeah, happy to talk today about albums that have influenced my life and, and sound or vision of sound. So mm, Wicked. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, so... Before we get stuck into this, mm-hmm. um, I want to talk about your new record uh, yes. called Stories Came to Us, which is coming out on your My Own Imaginary World imprint. I mean, as we're recording this, it's coming out tomorrow. It will be out in the world when this is released. So yes. <laughs> first thing I want to talk about is the... So you premiered the album at Tate Modern in London recently, right? And I've seen some incredible footage of people throwing mm-hmm. shapes to... Specifically, therefore, the time stops. Like it's yeah, that's right. That's really right. fabulous. So, tell me about how the Tate was. Um, the Tate was a big surprise um, for me. Um, it's crazy because I, I mean, I visit the Tate kind of every time I go to London. So, mm-hmm. the opportunity to premiere the album there, I was just like, "Is this really happening? Oh my god!" <laughs> It was always like I manifested it to happen because the last time I was there, I was like, wow, this place Nick could do with some sounds or I could do sound. <laughs> I, I, kind of, I think I put it out there in the universe and it kind of it matched me up. I mean, if you believe in that stuff. But um, yeah, that happened and I kind of did like a, my albums when I'm performing it live, it's never, you know, press play on the computer and I'm playing my tracks. It's really like an improvised version. So I'm really playing with the crowd and, and seeing what they need in that time. And I think the video you're referring to, there, there's like a, a group of, of people just kind of 
really letting loose and it almost uh, surprised me as well. I was just like looking at them and they really wanted uh, things to be uh, fast, not fast in terms of sound, but they were doing very experimental dancing. So I just kind of played <laughs> on that and yeah, it was a beautiful moment, a beautiful, beautiful evening. So something, yeah, I won't forget that uh, moment. So hmm. when, when something like that happens, do you, as you say, there's like an elasticity to your music when you're performing it live. So how long did you leave that one going before you're like, right, I'm going to round this off now? Um, well, I kind of had, you know, there's like, there's there as I was saying, it is improvised, but there also is structure to my work. So mm. I, I, I knew the tracks I wanted to play from my album and I kind of just worked through those. Um, so yeah, one, one moment's, happening and then you have to kind of go okay now this is over i'm going to move on to the next thing but it's just continuous um continuous sound so it's always growing evolving changing um and it's one thing onto the the next thing um yeah it's 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 really it's very special to to be in in within like a, a instrument like I, I i play with the modular and mm. it's like yeah, I would say it's kind of changed my life, this instrument in general. Like, wow. Given me so much. Yeah. I want to ask you about the record. I've had it, I can't remember when the promo came through, but been listening to it a lot since it initially came through. Really? <laughs> and yeah, I think it's wonderful. So um, I, I was intrigued to see you actually post about the fact that writing and working on this record took you into quite a deep space. Uh, I'm curious yeah. how that first started out i mean what were the first elements of the record that kind of came together for you i mean now that it's done and i've i've kind of you know now i'm up to the point where it's being shared and i'm kind of expressed and and released parts of myself i've been trying to think back you know kind of where did this kind of start molding Mm. And uh, I would just have to say it just started with pen and paper and it wasn't initially to start writing a record. I was kind of in a phase of just expressing myself through words. I was writing kind of like journaling, mm -hmm. was mixed journaling, writing poetry, just obsessive words, surfing words, reading old literature. Yeah, just like obsessed with words. And I, I, I have the... Um, a notebook and I still have it and I just have it's just like a, a mumble jumble of of words and I kind of like at that point I was like right I just kind of want to go like leave Berlin and go and write somewhere like I've never mm. gone to write but I was like right I'm going to Italy um, I just got on a plane and just went to the Amalfi Coast in Italy I was like I just want to sit at a coffee shop or sit on the beach and I just want to write like I'm talking about <sighs> words wow. not not um you know, not about the music yet. I just need to express myself like this. And I was writing about the sea and like visions and just things that I could see, like, you know, I'm looking at the ocean. So I'm writing like, you know, blue ocean, you know, um, swimming, you know, sparkling water, whatever. I was just writing all those things down hmm. to the point where I was like, I'm going to like assemble this into like rhymes and songs. And that's kind of how it started. And then the later thing was like recording those ideas onto a recorder, like using my voice. Then it was like building the sound world around those stories. So that's mm. how the album was made. It's very interesting you talk about writing about the locations that you're in because one thing I made note of is the prominence of trees for me as a listening experience like trees and birdsong and maybe rustling leaves or at least sounds yeah, that yeah, feel yeah, akin definitely. so were you in mm -hmm. those kind of environments or were your thoughts just going there for some reason um i mean i must i must have been but i guess <laughs> i mean when i was recording some of the um when you're hearing birds it wasn't i actually haven't added like oh i'm gonna make a recording of a bird i was literally making a recording on my phone oh right and then the birds are chirping outside so i've just wow. captured that it's almost like a sound visual film so it's just whatever the whatever it's picked up is in there and then mm. also with the sound design i'm kind of my level of sound design is they're actually not really trees rustling i'm able to kind of form like a foley so it's like i wouldn't say it's real trees but a foley of 
the sensation and feeling of these trees like wrapping around you. So this is this is the pure sound design. But yeah, sure, there's like everything in there. I have to see you know, all the sounds in there. I made all of those sounds. Everything's very hand hand designed, uh, handmade, um, mm. or just come from my body, like vocals and. Yeah, it's, it was a bodily experience, bodily mental experience. Um, <laughs> I'm really glad I documented it all and kind of like now like put it out because at some point I was doubting. It. I was like, "This is." I'm not sure if this is not because I because I wasn't making it for anybody else. I was, and I've always made it for myself. It, it's just like a, it's almost like a diary or something like that. Mm. So I wasn't sure how it was going to perceive, but I there was something inside me going, "No, actually, this is." This is unique. I mean, unique to you, to me. And uh-huh. if you feel that way, um, you know, with my tastes, with sound and everything, I think whoever's going to like it, um, if I think it's unique, then then maybe it is. So, yeah. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask about as well is about fidelity and proximity. I've written here, there's something that I've picked up on this record, particularly over headphones, and it's kind of as well made me think of your previous album daydream as well Mm -hmm. um where you have this loop on the second track of the new record that when you get to the third track appears and seems to be dropped back a level there's this like real sense of layers and like i say proximity and almost documentation of documentation going on Uh, i wondered if that was like a theme that was yeah. That you're consciously toying with. Yeah, tell me about your connection with, with that. Yeah, I see. I mean, I think you're referring to like on the O Daydream, my first album. I'm doing like a, it's the real acapella of Make Me Feel Inside La La. Second track, I really, it goes into a more produced version of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And with Stories Came to Us, there's Desire, and then I've kind of looped a part of Desire. Um, I think, you know, like, I love working and working within albums. I think like I really only want to produce albums um, because for me, like an album is like um, it's so visual. Like, it really needs an intro, you know, an opening, like a teasing, and then you go into the record. So I think my stuff, I'm, I mean, so far with two, two albums in the last few years, I've used a part, not purposely, not like, Oh, I need to, it's all done very organically, but that's what's cool about my music. It can be looped. Like you can find two words and just loop it. So it's like mm-hmm. very creative for DJs or it's like interesting for listeners. And, and I think in future as well, like I'll always take out parts of, of tracks and make make like a looped version or some other version. But I actually discovered this is um, Desire um, actually playing it live. So I was, it, it's it suddenly was looping is this desire to like looping and then back again? I thought, oh, okay, that that actually sounds oh, live. Wow. So I was like, right, I'm just going to make that into a track because it was it was something it was something different to the actual full track. It was like almost like a breath work, like uh, intro to desire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'd say like desire on the record is my main like singing track if you will like <laughs> that just, yeah i was singing about desire and that's where you hear the birds chirping it was like actual birds chirping why i was in the bathroom um with my zitar um recording it live and it's just like one take that song yeah i made a few versions of it but this version i like the most that's great i love the record i could definitely spend the rest of the time asking questions about this one because like i say yeah. uh, spent a lot of time with it my that, brain keeps popping honestly up stuff. So, so nice to hear because it means it means a lot to some, like somebody listening it and enjoying it and wondering what it is inside and maybe what the meanings are and yeah thank you mm, for sure um right well i'll put links so that people as well can dive into it too and they totally should um rachel let's talk about your important albums so i think right at the top of the show you kind of indicate your answer to this question but i like to ask about how people think about the word important when picking their list of records so yeah how did you interpret important in order to come up with the three records that you did i took this task very seriously because i was like 
I mean, I've listened to a lot of music. I've been listening to music since I was a child, watching mm. you know, music on, watching film clips on the TV. I used to wake up 6 a.m. and watch from from the pop chart 100 to, to 1, and that was like my thing to do <laughs> wow. as a small child. Um, that's my background in music. Like I just love, I mean, just pop music, all music. I mean, eight, uh, yeah, 80s, 90s music. It was the best time for videos and, and, and music. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. And then later I was, you know, recording, I would make mixtapes and record the radio and, and, and make cassettes. I mean, that's how we used to do it back in the day. Um, so it was kind of, I mean, getting to the albums, there's a lot of music I enjoy for dancing or for moments or, you know, hearing on the radio and so on. But it was like, for me, these choices were what has really influenced me as an artist to, to what have I gone in and kind of studied a little bit or what kind of what has fascinated me about uh, an artist and what they're doing to go to dive in and kind of like what are they using like mm. how is that made so i would say the three albums i have kind of been like intrigued in that way so they, they would be some of the most influential albums to my music making um yeah that's what i would say wicked cool so whichever one you want to go with first rachel which one makes the most sense to you we could start with uh the art of noise the invisible in, in invisible silence sorry invisible uh, silence yeah. yes yes yeah 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 cool great so yeah give me a little introduction as to why this one's important to you um i would have to say yeah if off the top of my head this was the number one thing that popped out um mm. yeah why is this album cool it's kind of like it's like a sound extravaganza. Like I just really <laughs> the album, like before we before our chat, just to kind of rehear some parts that really like that I remember, like really drew me in. But I think the main thing was here when was here when I first heard it. I was like, wow, the the sampling, the vocals, the voices. Mm. Like, how are they making this? Like, how are they? where are the voices coming from? I think it was like all about the sampling. Um, all the voices are layering, like it's trippy, but it's also, it's very experimental, but it's super groovy. It's new beat, it's pop, it's drum kit stuff, it's club. It's like an album with everything. You have almost ambience, spoken word, but in a more, not in a in a dark way, in more of like a pop way. Yeah. Um, it's just like a super interesting record to kind of listen to. It's not like, I mean, I think it, it, it's commercial, but not really. And yeah, I think I was just mainly kind of obsessed with how are they sampling all these voices? Because it's it's kind of very irregular. Like it's like, uh, 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 you know, it's like, <laughs> how are they doing this stuff? You know, like, how is that that made? Now I would un understand a little bit more. And I would say like, because I, I really love sampling as well. But yeah, this album is, it's definitely like the, the groovier pick of, of my, my, the albums that I'm going to talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I just think it's, it's, it influenced and in, influenced me and just, uh, yeah, especially the sampling. That's all I could say about it actually. Yeah. Um, so that was the bit when you talk about these albums being influential on your practice, like yeah. their use of sampling that was yeah, the thing exactly. that led into yeah. your work right yeah and it's also like their use of it's like all the sounds i mean even as an album it kind of has everything but ma mainly the sampling mm. um, the voices or changing tones you know you have really deep stuff and then it goes high and then low again but all together and it's like you know it's it's something made in the 80s i think i discovered it in maybe 15 years ago or something like that i mean this mm -hmm. is I mean, I wasn't making music then, and I was just like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> it was just like, that's, that's a cool album. And um, yeah, I've played like some of the music on, you know, mixes over the years and stuff like that. So I think it's like an always, it's just like a staple album that everyone should hear. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. The voice sampling is really interesting. I think that really stuck out to me because I think the some of the voices that are sampled you are very 
different to say it makes you realize why choral pads are mm. what they are right because you've got some voices as you say they're really deep and have like a heavy affected yeah. vibrato on them and you're like it takes a specific kind of ear to hear that and go someone's going to want to hear that again modulated and treated and turned into a melody all of itself because it yeah, doesn't it's almost, sound it's, like that the voices become uh, the way they're processing voices is is super interesting and even now when i was listening i'm still like what are they doing like it's <laughs> kind of it's a little bit of a yeah i want it makes me want to go back and listen to it all again uh, <laughs> yeah it, it honestly it was mainly the, the the vocals and just like how you can create an album with like everything on it it's it has you know it's experimental but you also have like the new beat hit which you could play in a club mm. you have like an ambient um track i think it's called like camilla which is like a i think it's camilla um which is yeah kind of like chill out it just has like so it just has a, a music for every moment but it's just like super funky and i think it's mm -hmm. it's also it's also classic like for me at that won't age in 20 years that's still going to be amazing um, right it just yeah. it, it it's aged very well and for something experimental um yeah i really like it a lot so you said you discovered it about 15 years ago do you so. remember how it came into your life I think, uh, um, I think honestly, I think I was at like, this is how I remember. I was at Oxfam, this kind of secondhand mm -hmm. store. Like this is kind of where I was used to, I used to dig for records here because they would have like, I, maybe I'm thinking of another album. Anyway, I was searching for records in Oxfam mm. and, or, you know, you could find stuff for 50 cents or or one one dollar or how however much but very cheap and it was just like something i had picked up and i didn't even know what it was at that point it just had a cool cover so i used to like buy things with a cool cover i thought okay if that covers like this maybe it's cool yeah, I mean, it's yeah, cheap. yeah. Try it. <laughs> let's try it you never know and it was like when i played it i was like whoa this is uh have you heard this album like this is well this is cool <laughs> this is mine like uh i discovered this um yeah yeah that's how it felt that's how I remember it. But that's it could have so been another cool. album like this. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, it's great, I, though, because that's a very typical, you know, Oxfam especially, you know, over here, Oxfam record stores, we've got a few near me as well. Right. Um, and if they're close, they're close enough, you kind of get to know what they've got and then you know to leave it a bit and go back. But um, I guess the nice thing is, is that you don't have that sunk cost with the second I record store. You're like, it's 50p if this ain't good it doesn't matter there's a real that's very liberating you don't have that financial impediment to just going out and picking something up which is nice i mean my whole record collection i mean sure i have a lot of stuff i bought from record stores and and so on but my classical collection ambient experimental collection is all from places like oxfam um like i'm someone you see on like a market floor like rummaging inside boxes um i love like, <laughs> i bargain when it comes to this stuff because sometimes you pick something up you're like well i paid 50 cents for this and this is you know this is amazing like i have a um ballet collection of records i mean i don't know any i probably have swan lake like 10 times over but um <laughs> yeah, just picking up just picking up like cheap records but amazing classical records i have a really like wonderful collection of interesting stuff and you know, and you think like, well, someone's kind of given given this away, or yeah, they've kind of given it away. And I mean, it's got into the right hands, I would say. Um, mm -hmm. so, yeah, I think like if you're out there, you know, it's not just. I mean, record stores are cool and everything, but you can really find amazing records at at you know markets, um, secondhand stores, um, things like that. And it's also like a very miscellaneous box. Like you never know what you're going to get. Like one where you, you could look and it's like whatever the next week wow they have yeah this now so i always yeah. look, I still look i still look in these places yeah i love vintage stores uh mm -hmm. yeah i feel like actually since the obviously the mass migration to digital formats yeah. that's been a real boon for those kind of stores because i think before that there used to be particular records that would come up all the time um you know you could get as many copies of like a Liberty X album as you wanted but yeah. then 
other records were keepers, right? For or, or like culturally seen that way. But now people are getting rid of them because of the format, not because of you know yeah, exactly. longevity. So that's it's positive like if you're going rummaging, right? It's like all the you know streaming TV now. Like no one wants the DVDs, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you can really pick up like pick up some amazing stuff. And also, I found like my my thing of like looking at. I mean, you shouldn't judge a book by a cover, they say. But sometimes with records, you can see. Um, you know, it's impossible to know every single you know song and album and an artist out there. So sometimes looking at a cool cover, it's, it is a hit and miss. But a lot of the times, I'm I'm right with the covers. Like if it's something mm-hmm. uh, something cool and it and it draws you in, just just buy it. If it's and I mean, you can always give it away or take it back to Oxford. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's funny with this one, actually, that you picked out the cover because it sounds like a band that was very mindful of their appearance and art direction. Like, you know, Paul Morley, the journalist, was in there for a certain point. I think he'd left by the time this record came out. But how much have you dug into the like, history of Art of Noise? Is that is that is that an aspect of music listening that appeals to you digging into like a band's history the context or do you kind of hold tight to the listening and that's i would say this one is honestly i'm a pure listener uh Mm. i haven't dived recently into i know i did at some point but i probably i i I do need to refresh about about the background and yeah i probably should because uh I mean, as I was saying, I mean, it's a super interesting record, but um, mm. just from a listener's point of view, I was just like, wow, this is, this is, uh, how are they doing this? Um, mm-hmm. that was um, I mean, the next record I'll talk about is the one I really like went down a rabbit hole with and, um, ah, okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> Let's, well, the final question then on this Art Noise record then is, do you have a favorite track? And if not one that just sticks out in your head now while we're we're talking um the camilla track the legs i should have it up here the track list shouldn't i the art of noise while you're doing that the one that really got me because it sounded very weirdly modern was there's a track called backbeat where the drums are like half time for compared to the rest of the record but it sounds like a really groovy like you can imagine like a really dirty hip-hop thing happening over that one yeah that's what i mean i feel like it, it can kind of like this album they could redo and interpret it completely like for the you know 2023 not that it needs to be but it's mm-hmm. so, it's aged so well um that it almost does sound modern right i mean yeah um yeah the tracks for me um uh legs the camilla track and para paranomia paranormia how they sing it um yeah which i like a lot and yeah it's all it's all good they, there's also like a deluxe version that has many more trucks um but it's, it's actually quite a large track list so yeah anyone uh-huh. listening to this just go and go and listen to this invisible silence by art of noise paranormal paranoid Rachel, your second important album, which one do you want to go for? Yes. So it is the Delia Derbyshire and Barry Bermage. Yeah, Bermage, yeah. Invention Invention for Radio Number One with her dreams. Mm, Yeah. So give me a little introduction as to why this one's important to you. Well, honestly, it was kind of hard to pick a specific project of Delia Derbyshire mm. uh, because not only is she influential to me, the whole BBC Radiophonic workshop um, was a huge rabbit hole that I dived into and was obsessed for a, a long period of time where mm. I watched, listened to everything, watched all the documentaries. There's some amazing documentaries on 
YouTube if you just type in uh, Radiophonic Workshop um, and all their artists and Daphne Aurum. I mean, it's honestly all of it. So it's kind of hard to pick a project because mm-hmm. I also love Daphne Aurum as well. But um, it's just fascinating, right, because it was absolutely a pioneering moment uh, for this collective and they were inventing on the spot. And at first I, you know, heard something, heard a track, and I was like, wow, you know, what is that? Like, how is that made? Mm-hmm. Um, this is before I had equipment, a modular. I was kind of like, I mean, very much into electronic music, and I really wanted to make sound. Mm-hmm. And I was learning how to make sounds. So I was, you know, I mean, I was doing my music uh, theory for myself, trying to discover what you know what they were using and how 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 they were making things um so i guess what drew me in was just like the absolute rawness of the sounds and mm-hmm. also thinking wow these these people don't even have computers you know i've got a computer <laughs> here and i cannot not i can't make music but like how did they do it without computers like how was this made like that was just that was so fascinating to me at that point Mm-hmm. Um, so I dived in and discovered a world of, well, I, I'm trying to find the world of it, but the word for it, but it was kind of spectacular um, what they were doing. And even, I mean, they were using test equipment, electronic test equipment, and kind of record, you know, using recording onto tape and looping the tape and even running tape up and down hallways and making huge tank reverbs the size of a room um you know just like crazy like mad science stuff um (laughs) and i just was like wow you know i'm like i'm very much obsessed with the spring reverb like i love that sound so for me even that my first record was made like the processing of that was the spring reverb and i think I, i would have to say that was influenced by my I mean, obviously my love of the spring reverb, but also what the radiophonic workshop were doing. Mm, Uh, It was my first, um, the spring reverb was the first effect that I ever bought. Um, Like I have a tank here at my studio. I mean, a very small tank and I don't have a tank the size of a room. (laughs) That's that's what what they were making um, there to experiment with and literally running like tape loops, like, you know, up and down hallways. So it was like super long uh, loops and and cutting them and putting the pieces back together. It's just fascinating. Um, so yeah, it was it was a nice time to discover all this stuff. And mm. yeah, um, I picked this album specifically now because I love the how it's how it's formatted. I mean, the album. If you look at the track list, it's called Running. So the first track is Running. Next track falling, next track land, next track sea, next track color, and even like a concept like this for the sixties is very interesting. Yeah, it's kind of like I don't know this this sort of thing gives me confidence to be to be experimental and outspoken with my expression and stuff like that because it's it's a concept, right? It's it's running, falling, land, sea, and color. It's it's interesting. It's like a vision. Um, and then for this album, I'm particularly in love with the uh, track called Falling that I actually made a uh, cover of this uh, piece, which I've actually performed live a few times. I mean, oh, I haven't wow. released it, but, um, yeah, I kind of I re-recorded Delia Dabashir's vocals. And, yeah, so I, I've, made, I've recorded all the vocals and I made my own um sound on top and i perform that live and it's um <clears throat> it's very different to her piece my piece has bees inside and i mean it's it's different but i just found it so inspiring to like create a cover as soon as i heard it i was like i need to create this it's like something i i <laughs> wish that i made um myself so i performed this twice i did i performed this actually last year in berlin as a part of my show so yeah, it's something I would like to release at some point. I need to see if I can actually do that. Right, right. It's yeah. not my. Wow. It's not my work. Um, I mean, it is my work, but I'm not sure of the the thing with covers, right? You kind yeah, of, yes. From the BBC and so on. Gray area. 
Yeah. Yeah, I do too. But I, it would be wonderful to release because it, it's really a really nice piece. So yeah, so it's been influential like that. I've made covers of it. Um, but this piece, yeah, Falling for the Dreams, I mean, if you hear it, it's just, it's so like the spoken words. I mean, even my new album um, is a lot of spoken word stuff. I'm not saying it's because of this album that I'm talking about, but I think, I mean, there has to be some some influence in there. Oh, uh, gosh. I yeah. mean, obviously, I, I am listening for potential points of connection because I'm often in the build-up to this playing your mm -hmm. record and these important albums back-to-back. -back. But what I found really interesting is, so you've got, and hopefully there's a single version that we're both talking about, out and it's the one that I listened to but um, what I understand is Barry Bamange's role was to basically construct these it's like a poetic drama right isn't it so it's mm -hmm. people talking about recounting their dreams that they've had and as you say you've got these this track list that collates these mm -hmm. statements from the dreams into different categories falling color um, yeah as you say running um and then then like scenes yes exactly that's it and and you get all these different perspectives and, and words or phrases like repeated but also very mm. spaced out and delia's mm. delia's like work slinking through the whole thing and giving it this really weird um perception so with all that in mind i nearly forgot my train of thought but yes hearing dimension after hearing mm. Oh, yeah. This record where you're recounting a dream and yeah. falling. Um, mm -hmm. I'm guessing that was subconscious, but it was really it lovely was. to hear. Yeah. It, it actually was very subconscious. It's not when I wrote Dimension. Yeah, it's it's just, uh, yeah, I actually, Dimension is written about, I was, I was laying on uh, my partner's chest, like literally, and um, and just actually wondering what it would be like to fall into him. Wow. And, um, yeah, and that's where the song came from. So, but I, I can under I can understand how you. I mean, the connection between my track and and the falling. Absolutely, it's yeah. just sound realm. This 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 kind of space. Um, and like when you listen to the falling, what I also really love about this, it was probably. I mean, it would have been. I mean, it's they had no computers back then. It would have been one take, one recording, and maybe one oscillator i mean because it's basically spoken word and then there's noise like a lot of noise and a drone running below it but it's really imperfect like there's actually a noise mm. running through it that's i would say today you wouldn't have that noise there it's, it's, <laughs> like, it's like electrical noise that shouldn't be there so you could it that's what's so beautiful about it because it was like wow this was made in the 60s without a computer of course it's going to be imperfect and it's also i like hearing that stuff now because it's like my music can be it, it, it's not about having the perfect recording it is really about capturing something that yeah that's especially unique it's not about it's not about perfection and i think yeah i let that whole perfection thing go a while ago and that's like led me to release two albums just like on my own terms but it really the recordings the the album of this is um delia's uh the dreams album is is imperfect um it's very strange it's very eerie it's very spooky the description i get of my music i'm kind of like a lot of people say oh your music's kind of really spooky <laughs> or, <laughs> but not, not intentionally i just it just gets really intimate sometimes and kind of like really in your ear and yeah, it can be. It's like a, it's like a thriller. It's, it's, it's moody. It's, it's eerie. If I can, I, there's like a lot of like, I, I can see myself in this, the dreams album that I'm talking about. Mm. Um, yeah. It's mysterious. It's, it's, I mean, what possessed the pioneers to express themselves in this way? Like why were they expressing themselves in this way in the sixties? I mean, it's really, right. It, it's kind of, I mean, it is dark. It's kind it's really, theatrical it's really it's really weird stuff and I, that's that's what's so intriguing about it um, yeah 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 like what what was making them make possessing them to make such things yeah uh, was, it, was it that 
um, the sounds, I mean, spring reverb is kind of a moody, mysterious, eerie sound. So was it these these processes and tapes and drones that they were using? Because they're pretty dark sounds. Was this influencing their, was this kind of creating like a sound bed for them to be weirder? Maybe if mm. they, uh, wouldn't say happier instruments, but maybe, I don't know, like synths or something like that, they would have made different music. I'm not sure. Yeah, for sure. That's what they had at that time. So I think that did influence them because it was it was really, I mean, just take away their vocals. Like they're working with some pretty, pretty dark sounding sounds. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where I landed with it, where I was like, did, because it just takes, as you've explained, so much time to set up these things. Once you've got something which has a lot of allure, even mm. if it's kind of chilling you to the bone as well, it's like, well, just have to go with it. Let's run with this exactly, and yeah, now let's do like, a really ghoulish let's commit, piece. <laughs> let's commit to this uh, like eeriness and just get weird. It was, it was almost like, yeah, I, I can now that I think about it, I. It, that's what was calling in the in their space. I mean, mm. we would know, but um, that's what's so mysterious about it. I mean, some of the text is terrifying. The the spoken word. Yeah, I mean, there's some moments which are very reminiscent of scenes in horror films where someone is gradually feeling the different parts of a body and you get the impression they're checking whether they're still alive. There's this real juxtaposition between two dreams that I made note of, like one mm -hmm. voice saying, when they're, when they're going through this process of checking whether this body's alive, they say, he's alive. And then the <laughs> next one says he's dead, but yeah. like a different voice, but it's the the about turn is so, oh, <laughs> that, that one got me. It's chilling. It's, uh, it's 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 it it is chilling all of it, but chilling and chilling in a in an intrigue in a mysterious, intriguing way. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember one of the lines from the falling, but it's it's uh it's coming in and out, and I'm I'm losing it. Yeah, it's in space, a quick a complete feeling of space and nothingness, nothingness. Um, I find sometimes I should think. Uh, I should be enjoying this, but I'm so panic stricken. Like I actually, I I know all of the the words. I just can't recite it right now. But I mean, wow. because I've I've just, I mean, I have recorded it and and performed it, and I'm I've got too many other thoughts in my head. But it's so I just love it so much. Yeah, I would actually really like to show you the cover that I made. Oh, I think you really yes, like please. it. Oh my yeah. goodness, I'm so yeah. fascinated because also as well, it's not typical. <sighs> It's yeah. not sung, right? So the the fact that you've done like a deliberate vocal take over the top of these words is really, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, <laughs> I, also, I mean, it's got nothing of their song inside. It's just so I've, I've I did word for word, and then I created the sound world around it. But wow. my sound world is different. It's really like first you're with bees, like flying, like flying around, and then it goes to they start talking about falling into a big black hole and there's chairs and tables around and people with their arms outstretched. And it's like, and so you're kind of falling and there's all these chairs breaking and like, you really feel like and it's dripping and it's kind of like, oh, it's almost wow. like a cave. And then you end up into like a snow, a snow blizzard. So I, I feel like I have to kind of find a way to put this work out there. I felt as if I was falling forever. Not quickly. But I am definitely going down, 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 and I know that nothing, nothing can stop me. I try sometimes to think in myself, well, oh, this is lovely, you should be enjoying this, but I'm so panic-stricken. Okay, Rachel, we got one more important record. So if you could give me the name of it and then also a little bit about why this one's important to you too. So the Jean Machoja Equinox album. So mm. this album, yeah, for the third album, I was like, uh, yeah, absolutely. I could, 
would have to put this in the in, in the top three picks. I mean, just starting with the cover artwork, it's also one of the records, or Jean Michel Jarre's records in general. I always find at secondhand stores um, and market um, huh. boxes and things like that. So I actually every time I see them, I I have not all of his collection, but a lot, like pretty much all of them, and even doubles of some. So I really like all of his records and I think Equinox is the first one that I discovered and I just, I mean, when you look at the cover, you're looking at all of these <laughs> kind of like sitting or like looking at you and you're just like, it's almost like a projection of like what's to come. Like you right. can, it's so intriguing, like, wow, okay, this looks, this looks trippy and it absolutely is trippy. Um, for me, what is so interesting about this record is so, yeah, it's honestly the trippiness. Like, the first album was Sample. <laughs> the second album we discussed with uh, Delia is the is the spoken words and the eeriness and the, the sound design. Um, and then Jima Shoja is the, the trippy. Um, and also what I love about it, it's just a continuous journey. It's almost yeah. like a, it's like a movie with different scenes. So you're listening and it doesn't end. It just kind of sways into the next thing, but it's, it's a different scene and it's, it's almost like a soundtrack for a film. Perhaps mm -hmm. it was. I may, I haven't looked into it, I, but I don't think so, but it should have been, it could have been. Yeah. Um, but it's such a, a fantastic piece of music, like the whole run through. I typically like this, the start of the record uh, more I mean, mm. I like all of it, but it's, I think out of everything that we've discussed today, it's the most ethereal pick. It was something that like, I was like, wow, how can, how can something be trippy, ethereal, moody, mystical, dreamy? It's the dreamiest record that we've spoken about today. And yeah, yeah I definitely, that's influenced my music. It has, my own music has elements of you know, being super trippy and dreamy and ethereal and and dark, like the other records. And this uh, Equinox brings up when I was listening to it again today, because of all these scenes, the emotions keep changing. So it you go from really mis like really trippy to then mystical, and then you you're swayed into something really joyful. So and then playful, and then back to back to something trippy and dark again. And it's almost, it's a story without vocals. And I think that's, that's hard to do because you're in my, in my album, I've told a story with vocals. I mean, perhaps one day I'll make a album without the vocals and tell the story through the sound mm -hmm. design. But Equinox is a, a beautiful album of story without vocals telling you what to feel or where you are. It's um, it's an amazing experience. It's it's an album that everybody should hear. And when I was uh, listening to it on YouTube uh, today to have a, a quick listen through, I got stuck in the comments and so many people were like, wow, you know, best al best album ever produced. So wow. like I think if you know this album, it, you know, I'm not even sure if it's a headsy album. I think a lot of people know this album. It's just like a classic. It's it's something that will influence and be mystical for the end of its time. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful record. So it's definitely the trippy, the trippy, the trippy one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, like <laughs> what is it? may not be easy to pinpoint what is it about this record that brings that trippiness for you um what is it about the record that brings the trippiness it's almost like a language inside it's always says something is talking to you but there's nothing there's no vocals there it's like yeah. these synths like reaching out and playing with you and there there's these lfo everything's like moving around and it's like really not bubbly but it's kind of it's very psychedelic and yeah um, yeah, it's kind of hard to pinpoint because it's it's almost like it's it's not from the it's perhaps it's not from this life. It's like something <laughs> yeah. it's like something in the it's 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 very psychedelic. I wonder 
how he was in a, a mindset what like when this came like when he produced this the mindset of this mm. um mm -hmm. i would ask him this question yeah Jim, like how did yeah what how did you what was this what was your mindset there um yeah, yeah it's just it's it's talking to me but without without the vocals and i find that inspiring because um yeah i think i can make music without um telling the story of course but um it's um it's just an in interesting interesting way uh it's like the um bit right at the end i think yeah. has that sense of communication to it where it's like the final piece so the eighth one starts yeah. with this almost as i'm recalling it now almost fun fairy very intentionally jovial and kind of tacky in a way sound that then gives way to like a reprise of the fifth piece but this slowed down very moody iteration of what was probably the most joyful and upbeat track on the album and whatever is emanating from that statement feels really uh because it wraps up quite soon after that point and it mm -hmm. feels very stirring to have that little moment of reprise and then that ebbing out it's so yeah it's very affecting that that it's ending very, of the record very well constructed and that may have happened organically because honestly when you do make music you can't plan everything sometimes you're mm -hmm. just recording and things are happening and and you finish and you're like wow what just like you kind of look back you're like how did that happen um <laughs> Like it probably wasn't deliberate. He just ended uh, in a. It, that's why it's a fantastic piece because. Um, hmm. Yeah, we we'll also never know. Uh, yeah, so that so Equinox is definitely one of my favorite uh, favorite albums, and also I would say when I first heard the album, I I didn't understand how things were being made, but now that I work with gear and I'm. Um, producing music when I hear things I can say okay that's you know synth or that's uh, that's that's uh, maybe done like this I, like I understand all mm. of these records a lot more now because I'm able to dissect sounds and 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 see where the see how things are happening I'm less of a listener but still as a listener these these albums are just like wow that's cool Well, I was going to ask about that because Jean-Michel Jarre was really <laughs> into synthesizers, like most yeah. obvious statement, but I think used about 13 different synths, more than 13, on this record alone, which I think for when this came out in, you know, 78, I think it was quite a big deal. That was yeah. quite a decadent thing to be doing. I'm wondering what your relationship is like with synth gear and do you use and use your modular system mm -hmm. are you expanding that a lot do you prefer to drill into what you have like how often um, how regularly do you take in new bits of equipment into your setup uh i take in so the two albums for i take in one or one or two pieces of equipment per, per concept so right. this, um, i don't grow my studio too fast because it's really like it's it's endless like the modular is just going to keep on giving especially when you're recording your own vocals and putting them in a sampler and then processing those sounds everything mm. you decide is going to be different from the next so it's just this endless thing that just keeps on giving um that's what's so wonderful about it so mm. for stories came to us i used um i have a zitar here an antique zitar which I used um, in Desire. I used for the track called Zitar Drama, and then I've sampled it, but 
ways in which you may not be able to recognize it in other tracks mm. lightly. Um, and that kind of gave the album some momentum because there's this instrument that keeps propping up. Um, and there's Zita that I have here um, is really broken. Like I found it, there's a, a site in uh, Germany called eBay Kleinenside where you can find, it's basically you can find anything. You just type in what you want from, I don't know, a hairdryer to a toaster, <laughs> to music equipment. And one guy was just uh, selling it there. Um, he actually brought it to me and was like, oh, yeah, it was in just in our attic for like a long time. And I was like, wow, it's really in the great, great hands. <laughs> right now and i love it because it has like a painted rose on it but it's really broken and it's oh wow but it's like that's what i'm saying about the imperfection like i kind of like broken things because because Mm. if it's broken like it's not tuned and like it has you know some wire coming off it all of these things i can play with and it kind of creates this really unique like i find my thing inside rather than it saying if it's fully tuned it's going to just give me what it's giving everybody else so if it's broken i can use that brokenness in in a way which i find nice and it's it really did that um so i was just like singing with it in my bathroom or or talking with it in my bathroom Hmm. that's where i do my recordings um improper way um yeah (laughs) um so for the next record i would like to um, I'm looking for my next, I mean, I already know where I'm producing it. Um, I'm, I'm going somewhere to produce my next record. Um, and I'm looking for what that, what my next instrument will be, but I'm, I'm someone who experiments and just tries things out. I'm not like a classically trained musician. I just really like spend a lot of time exploring, um, trying things expressing myself and just like yeah trying to do my own thing rather than looking what other artists are doing like really kind of kind of just doing it my own way and whoever is listening (laughs) in the end is like a real like a bonus for me like really good because I'm really just like enjoying to make music so much and like make these stories and um yeah, because it's my healthy outlet to express myself making music. And yeah, I'll be doing it forever, I would say. Um, oh, amazing. Yeah, I'm happy to, I'm, because like I can get really stuck in, I can live inside a concept. And um, this record kept me busy for like little bit less than two years, but it, it, it kept me busy doing things, thinking, creating. And even the next record now is. Um, already got me thinking and this is like colors and patterns and places and (laughs) pictures yeah i've already started collecting like an archive of pictures of what it will what it what the moods are and so on so there's like a whole like concept behind everything um yeah do you think you'll go away to write again like you did on this one yeah definitely yeah, I'm I'm planning to go away in June for a while where I will um produce something in the next few months. Um yeah, I'm I mean I'm already halfway through the concept. Um I just need to go there and produce it. I already know not what it will sound like, but I know what I would like to not what I would like to do, but kind of yeah, I know where I would like to to make music and be be in the energy of and so mm. on. I don't want to talk too too much about, about that. <laughs> but yeah, just I guess you'll see it when it comes and yes. you'll be happy. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. That feels like a really nice place to yeah. wrap up. But Rachel, thank you so much. These three records have been a lot of fun thank and you. really affecting over the past, you know, week or so. Uh, I'll say it again, your record as well. And the one prior, I've had loads of fun diving into your music. Thank you and we'll very continue much. to do so. So thank you once again for, for your time. Thank you. And to everyone listening, see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.